We are hitting a very specific moment that is occurring in many marriages, that moment when you discover your husband's porn habit. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a serious but helpful podcast for you this week. This is episode number 131, and today we're going to be talking about what to do when you've just discovered your husband's porn habit. So we're going to help you see what's going on in his world and then go through first steps towards recovery. So taking that in two approaches, one if he is on board to get help and the other if he's in denial. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed how trauma can impact our sex lives as a couples and how you can heal and recover from that. It's worth going back and checking out, especially if that's part of your experience, if you're a trauma survivor. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. So if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer research-based advice that works. And especially for today's episode, if you're listening because this is relevant to your situation, we offer hope. So... Let's get into today's topic. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about, and porn habit is in our title, we're going to be talking about porn addiction. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why, but people often get into a discussion about what the word addiction means, really. And I'm hoping to mostly bypass that because there's enough debate about it already. This episode is for wives whose world has just come crashing down around them. And like a 10 minute intellectual or theological Mm -hmm. discourse is not going to be helpful. So We're going to talk about a little bit what that looks like, uh, just to help us understand what we're talking about, but we don't want to get into a big sidebar discussion on that. Mm -hmm. And I think think right off the bat that, you know, we want uh, wives that are coming into this, we're anticipating that both going to be just listening to this as part of our regular episodes and others are going to be listening to it in retrospect, who've gone through this. Mm -hmm. And a number are going to find this as a result of a search term that they've put in Google because they've just found out and they literally Mm -hmm. are typing in What do I do when I just discovered my husband's porn habit? Mm -hmm. So if you're in that last group, you're you're the people that we're talking to today, primarily. And I want to just, I think, Verlin, we can just start by kind of normalizing a few things that this is like discovering an affair. Yeah, you're going to be going through those same emotions. Yeah. And I think that's where it's tricky because, you know, you can put the air quotes around the word just, like it's just online. Mm -hmm. It's just pictures. It's just the internet. And yet it's equally devastating. Mm-hmm. And the the sense of betrayal and just the whole, like, I've been lied to. Can I trust him? Can I trust myself? Mm-hmm. All of that stuff. Mm-hmm. The whole thing around not knowing if there's a future for your marriage Do anymore. Do I want to stay? Do I want to yeah. leave? Yeah. Being repulsed, being afraid, mm-hmm. all those things at once. Thoughts of... And then the anger that comes with it and want to get back at him and right. revenge. and Yeah. Yeah. So... It is a huge, huge blow. And what you're experiencing right now is what most women probably experience when they go through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just kind of look a little bit about, or let's just start around this issue of porn addiction, give you a definition to help you understand what's going on for your husband. And I think if you can understand his world a little bit and understand yours, then it's going to give you some clarity on hopefully how things are going to go, what to expect. Okay. That kind of thing. Okay. 
So my main specialty is marriage therapy, but my second most experienced area of work is with pornography recovery. And also this problem has been unfortunately a part of the history of our marriage. So Verlin and I will be speaking out of our own respective experiences too. Mm-hmm. And addiction, you know, one definition that I liked is when a person compulsively uses sex or in this case, pornography to alter his or her mood to produce pleasure and or to provide escape from internal discomfort and is employed or entrenched in a pattern characterized by recurrent failure to control the behavior and continuation of that behavior despite significant negative consequences. A little so bit basically, of a run-on sentence. It's worth but, it to the person to use sex to alter the mood, even though it has negative on a short-term evaluation basis, even though they know the at another level that in the big picture it's not worth it. Right. But the instant gratification kind of overpowers yeah. the long term. Yeah. Okay. And that's kind of why I like this definition. It it identifies why your spouse is engaging in this behavior and not identifying it for the purpose of justifying it, but just helping us to understand that he's using porn to alter his mood or escape. Okay. That's and I I don't know that I've ever seen an exception from that. Hmm. And it's important because what it tells you is that there's some valid need back in there, but there is what has happening and what you're seeing is an invalid coping mechanism at play. And of course, the immediate thing is, well, why doesn't he take that, that valid need to me? Or, to so, his wife. Yeah. 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 So that's a larger discussion. And that's not about as far, again, within the scope of my experience, that's almost never about something that's wrong with the wife, but about what's going on inside him. Hmm. So you can't take responsibility for the fact that he's not bringing these things to you. Yeah. So if we want this invalid coping mechanism, the porn to go away, we have to take care of the valid need in a healthy way. That's kind of his treatment plan in a nutshell. Well, say that one more time. What's if we want the plan? invalid coping mechanism to go away, yeah, we need to take care of the valid need in a healthy way. Right. Okay. Yes. The definition also points out the recurrent pattern. It could be daily. It could be weekly. It could be monthly, even quarterly. There's some, at some level, there's a recurring pattern usually. Mm-hmm. And it also highlights the fact that at some level, even on the verge of his awareness, he knows there are significant negative consequences to the behavior. So why doesn't that stop him? Well, again, that's kind of a separate discussion and Mm -hmm. I'm trying to contain the size of this episode. Okay. But it comes down to addictive cycles. You can look up like the shame porn cycle. You can just Google that if you want some information on that, but that does come back to the valid need. Okay. So we want to just help wives here to keep a healthy perspective. If they've just discovered this porn addiction, there's a few things that they need to know. Mm -hmm. The first thing I think we want wives to know is that you're not alone. And this is a profoundly common problem, but it's also one that carries a lot of shame for both husbands and wives. And because Mm -hmm. of that, it doesn't get talked about. Yeah. Usually couples that go through this, go through it feeling very alone and without sharing it with others for that reason. Mm -hmm. But you're not actually alone. Like there are others. A lot of others. Yeah. And so in my own experience, several years ago, I hit the point where I was done with the lies and hiding this and I disclosed to Verlinda and you felt very alone. I mean, it's still something you talk about when you reflect on that, right? Yeah, for sure. And so the real issue there was like, well, who do you talk to? Who do you talk to? Exactly. You don't want to throw your husband under the bus. You don't want your family to think less of him. Right. But it would be really nice to have someone to talk to, just unload and share. Yeah. Like, and and I think that's where there's this huge dilemma. On one hand, the wife needs help and support. On the other hand, you don't want everyone to think your husband, like you said, is a freak or to think less of him, right? Yeah. So it's a very stuck place to be in. Or even think it's the wife's fault. Right. Like, well, obviously you're not giving enough action. And I've actually heard people say that. Oh, well, you know, I had someone tell me, well, you just need to initiate more. Wow. That's the wrong answer. Yeah. The wrong thing to say. Yeah. So, Yeah. Did you want anything add anything else to that point? No. I well it's just a very stuck place. Yeah. 
like you're just stuck and you're hurting and you're trying to just figure it out going on. Yeah. 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 I think the second thing then, Verlinda, that we wanted people to know is it's not your fault. Why is to know? It's not your fault. A study from 2012 asked 171 people about porn habits and real life sexual activity. And the researcher found that satisfaction with real life sex and relationships was not linked to porn use. So it's normal for a wife to feel guilty and responsible, but the research shows that your husband's addiction is not because you're leaving him unsatisfied. Hmm. And I would totally agree with this and point out that wives often forget to consider that this is always, like at least as far as I've ever seen, it's always something that the husband has brought to the marriage. So it was like pre-existing. It was before the marriage. Mm, it's not like he's unsatisfied and goes looking for something else. Yeah, like he's going to fill you know, the deficit. Mm. I've never seen that. Okay. Never seen that yet. So it was a pre-existing problem. That's, that's what I've been seeing. And also not one that you can or should try to solve by trying to compete with the pornography problem. I've seen that too. Right? Yeah. So you can't out-sex the internet, if no. I can put it that way. Yeah. But when you're getting the message like, okay, you need to initiate more, that also comes with it. Like, okay, I need to look more like that if yeah. that's what he's attracted yeah. to. Yeah. But I think it can go both ways. That could almost... Like there's so much shame attached to what he's seeing. He probably doesn't want his wife to look like that. Hmm. I don't know. You're a male. What do you think? I think for the sake of the wife's sanity, she needs to know that it's not her job to compete with the internet and just leave it there. And really, if you stop and think about it, you can't because... No, they're all airbrushed and... They're airbrushed. They don't have Photoshop. They never have their period. They never have a bad day. They never wake up with bedhead. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no reality (laughs) there. And so you can't compete with with something that's totally fictional okay, and not real. The third thing that you should know is it's a little tricky to articulate because I don't want to sound like I'm letting us men off the hook, but the same research also found that sexual arousal from internet porn was found to reduce decision-making ability and to interfere with cognitive functioning in the pornography addicts. So your husband may be aware of the negative consequences, but if his cognition is impaired, he doesn't have full access to his decision-making ability. And the brain is like definitely wired to reward short-term gratification over long-term satisfaction. Hmm. And I'm not, I'm not saying this in his defense, but just so you know that there are these well-established neural pathways that are at play and he's going to go down those pathways. It takes time for those to break up and for new healthier ones to form. And this, this reality really sucks but it is part of his reality right now. And, and I just mentioned this because I often get the question like, well, why can't he just stop? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is part of the reason why. It's, it's, we would all love to just stop, mm-hmm. for it to stop. And I hope if today, if you're a guy listening to this, it doesn't give you any justification. And if anything, it would give you some motivation to get started on stopping mm-hmm. sooner rather than later because you are messing your brain up. Uh, Fourthly, porn is going to change him. It's going to change the way you interact. So there's a new dimension now that has become visible in your relationship. And you may even feel that you don't even recognize the person you're married to. Women seeking help for their husbands often report the strongest reason to want help is that they feel they no longer recognize the person they're married to and they're living with a stranger. Hmm. Did you feel that part? No, I guess like there's a new dimension comes in that I didn't know about before. Right, And so... This may depend on how extensive that part of his life is or pervasive. Yeah. So there's definitely a part of you that I didn't know. Yeah. But And so this is going to shift things, right? Yeah. But there's also, I mean, as part of this now, things might start making sense. Depression, change in sleeping habits, lack of intimacy, less interest in sex, irritability, defensiveness, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all those. It's like, okay, now we're starting to under, it's kind of like 
I don't know, the picture was always there, but now somebody turned the light on and you can see what was going on or why everything was laid out the way it was. Yeah. Okay. I'm understanding from what you're saying here is that you discovering it is going to change the way you interact and you no longer recognize the person you're married to. But I'm thinking that all this has already happened like this, the irritability and the depression and whatever. And now it's just coming to light why this is going it's gonna on. Start making sense. Yeah. So it's not like when you discover it, all of a sudden your husband, you no longer recognize your husband. Right. Or I don't quite understand, I guess what you're saying here. It's just, I think it's kind of like the, the blow of the discovery is so overwhelming. It's like, do I even know this person? Right. Okay. That makes and sense. You know, without trying to figure out whether it's the blow or what's been going on or everything's starting to make sense, that's going to change the way you interact. Just finding out. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Got it. But I think it's also good to know that the sort of the the true, lovable, respectable version of the person that you married is still there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if he's willing to work toward recovery and he's being fully honest about his problems and his need for help, then I sincerely believe that it's possible to get back to that person, not the addict that you're confronted with at the moment. Yes. And I've seen this happen. Mm-hmm. So this is the hope part of our... The hope part, because show. at the moment, you're it's not like the seeing the like, lovable, respectable no. person in there. You're just seeing somebody you want to hurt Yeah, and it, because they've hurt you. So the mental image goes to all bad. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, take hope. This person is still in there. Yeah. Even if all you're seeing right now is the... Yes. Uh, I don't even know what you want to call them. All you can see is the addict. Addict, If we yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also good to note that he probably feels awful about it. Men struggling with porn addiction often feel high levels of powerlessness, emptiness, hopelessness, depression, shame, and guilt. These are features citing from a study in 2015. It can also lead to reduced feelings of intimacy with you, and he may come to feel depressed or highly anxious about this. So, you know, we'll talk about this when we come to how to approach the issue, Mm -hmm. but just know that this is there. Mm -hmm. Do you want to add something there? I was just going to say... This is kind of the one thing that can help you cope. What's that? Is that he's probably feeling awful about it. Okay. It's not like he's doing this and I, like, this is a part of his life I'm not part of and he enjoys it. And okay. so, yeah, there is that right. short-term gratification. Right. But that's kind of like the only thing that can kind of help you get through because... Is knowing that he does feel bad. You know, at the time you yeah. probably just want to like... Drop his penis off. Yeah. But your cutting motion is <laughs> scaring me. <laughs> you know, at the time, that's what you feel like doing. Yeah. But if you can, I guess that's where the empathy comes in. If you can realize, you know, the shame he has right. around it and how terrible he actually feels about it. And I've never talked to a man or woman struggling with this problem who doesn't feel like that way. Deep shame. Yeah. Deep shame. So if you can get a hold of that, it makes it a little easier to bear. Okay. And then it's not, not like that the he's revenge just enjoying and, and the, yeah. 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 No, it's good. And so I think that's a good segue to our next thing, which is don't be accepting of the pornography problem. Yeah. Okay. But what if, Yeah. because, you know, we talked to a certain woman and he's just angry and defensive and- In denial? Yeah. Okay. So we have an intervention for you. Okay. So we're coming up. to that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so don't be accepting. What were you saying? Don't be accepting of this problem. Yeah. It's it, not something you have to live with. Yeah. No. And I'm totally going to impose my values here and say that pornography is evil. It has nothing to add to your marriage. Yeah. And I know even some Christian podcasters have taken a more open approach. Like you need to decide whether this is good for you or not. And watch it together. And yeah. Not that. Oh no. Just what I said is as far as I've heard them go. Other other people say, I don't think I've heard a Christian resource say you need to watch it together. Okay. 
but certainly folks, there is plenty of opinion out there that says it can enrich your experience together, but mm-hmm. that is not supported by any research or any anecdotal evidence that I've ever heard either. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, pornography objectifies women, especially it violates their sanctity and dignity as human beings and the men too that are involved in producing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've given you a quick primer on the addiction, talked about really holding on to a healthy perspective as you come to deal with this problem, some of the things that you're going to be confronted with. Next, we want to talk about how to talk to your husband. And there's two parts to our next section. One, basically, if he's on board, like he wants help. Yeah. And the other, if he's not on board with getting help yet. In either case, these first discussions are very, very important. And we have a six-page mini workbook available to the patrons of our podcast. If you're already a supporter, you can get that right away on our Patreon page at oif.support. It'll take you, that's a short link to take you directly there. Mm-hmm. If you're not yet a supporter, I would highly recommend you get this workbook to help you prepare for these very important and sensitive conversations. Mm-hmm. So let's take a quick break to tell you more about how you can become a patron of the podcast. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we are just going to talk about how to speak with your husband. You'll definitely want to pick up the workbooklet to go with that. And then before we finish up today, we want to give you as the wife some advice for how to take care of yourself too as you navigate through this devastating discovery. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start with what I'm going to call cooperative husbands. So these are husbands that want help. Yeah. Okay. So they're busted and they realize that this has got to stop. Mm-hmm. So obviously having a discussion is important. And I like I shouldn't have to say that, but... I think I do because you need to talk about it. Yeah, sort of a you know one finger wag and this is over and everybody yeah. moves on is not really dealing with it. This needs to be a discussion. And but as part of that, I think it's important. And this is where it's a little tricky because I'm speaking to wives in this episode. Mm-hmm. But I also need you to hear as a wife that it's not your role to manage his recovery. Yes, you may want to or even feel you need to because that's how you can make yourself safe. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. What you don't want to end up in is like a codependency or an enabling situation where you're in charge of managing his morality and his recovery. He has to take ownership. Mm-hmm. It's vital. Why? Um, I mean, I agree with you, but... I think it's like anything in life. If you don't want to do it for yourself, it's not going to last. Okay. He has to want to do it for himself. It can't just be like stranglehold on him to yeah. control him. And so again, when, I, when I'm talking to a pornography addict, if I have a guy come in and says, well, my wife says I got to get this fixed, mm-hmm. then I have a little bit more work to do. If he comes right. in and says, I need to stop. there's a good chance that she's going to leave me. But even if she does, I want to stop this for my own benefit. Even if she goes, right. I want to be done. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, okay, no, like this guy's like putty. Mm-hmm. I can work with this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a number of suggestions related to, to this, but both from my own experience as a counselor and from a resource by weeks, 
from 2010. But the first part of this is to help your husband understand the problems that pornography creates. He needs to see your pain. He mm-hmm. needs to know your deep feelings of hurt and betrayal and to know that you're completely unwilling to integrate pornography into your marriage, especially the first part here. I mean, the second, the latter part's essential, but it's, mm-hmm. I really want to focus on the first part because this bursts the bubble. And of what bubble? The bubble of, you know, living in the short-term gratification piece. Okay. Okay. So as much as you can have like empathy that he, there's a lot of shame and he's mm-hmm. not enjoying I mean, apart from the short-term gratification, it's not a habit mm-hmm. that he would be proud of. You don't have to accept it. Like he, you can, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's okay to vocalize yeah. how much it hurts Yes, and the pain. Not okay, it's not like you, you have to. to hide that because he already feels bad. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. So that might even go back to managing. It's not like you have to hide it to try and manage his shame and manage his addiction and habits. Yeah. yeah. This is delicate here. I mean, what I see happening quite often is that showing this to your husband helps him hit rock bottom with a good solid thunk. Mm-hmm. The freaky part is if he is perchance suicidal, which doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And then she's torn between, you know, do I kind of hold back a little bit? Cause I, I actually don't want him to off himself. Mm. Right. Okay. So Use your own wisdom to guide you through the timing of this and his ability to carry it. Okay. That's what I would say. Okay. Now, as a wife, you're probably starting to make sense of some things like his irritability that you've been experiencing and not really understanding, his possible lack of interest in sex, maybe depressive symptoms, and so on. So talking about the impact that you see in in him is also valuable, like how you see this touching his life. Yeah. And then letting him know the impact it's having on you, but also on the family. If you have kids... Mm-hmm. Or extended family, or even in his social circles, if he's generally withdrawn, like you can, because you're starting to put the pieces together. He might not be putting those pieces together yeah. yet. Okay. And I think it, as well at this time, it's the time to challenge your husband in a kind way to reflect on how he wants to be seen by you hmm. and by his kids, his own family members, like your in-laws and others. Like what are the values that he wants people to remember him by? What would it feel like to live an authentic life? Hmm. You know, when I often when I ask a question like that or similar to that to a recovering pornography addict, like the tears come pretty quick, like just the the longing for freedom from the double life mm-hmm. and the shame. Mm-hmm. So even appealing to those positive ideals is really strong. Like I know for me, it was huge. I wanted to live a life that didn't have one lie in it. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's catastrophic for the spouse to find out about that lie as it was for you. But in the long run, it's way better for everyone because at some right. level, it's it's not right. Like it doesn't feel right. Yeah. As long as this is present, right? Yeah. And you might not even know what doesn't feel right, but then afterwards you can look back and realize yeah. something was missing or. So the next part is something you may or may not be able to do. You may want him to have this discussion with a counselor or a pastor or another f- male friend, but he also has to face the fears of what life will be like without pornography. And this is really hard for a wife to yeah. understand. So what are the consequences to him of having to give up the addiction? And again, if you can just get in touch with the sense that he's in a shame cycle and the only way he knows to kind of temporarily alleviate that is through this. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying you have to do this, but it's like, what was porn doing for him that he's going to have to take to healthier places to meet those needs? And this part of the discussion, he probably needs to have with someone else, but it involves going past the habit itself to confront the deeper needs and the deeper meaning involved, which I think is where true meaning healing is going to come from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you want to invite and challenge him to take individual responsibility, like to take his own ownership of it. Maybe you've initiated discussion. Maybe you've even set some pretty clear boundaries. But again, emphasize that he's the only one who can decide to change. Like he has, 
to be the one to commit to this and to commit to developing a short and long-term plan to break the addiction. He needs to take responsibility, not you. Hmm. That could be really hard to step back, I yeah. think, and just let him. Well, it doesn't, yeah, again, balance here, right? So it doesn't mean that you can't ever ask him how it's going or what he's doing. Yeah. But, but if you're asking, ways, is managing. But your your trust has just been broken. And now we're asking them to trust him to take responsibility. Like in, yeah. in some way, yeah. you're saying, okay, it's in your hands. And I trust you to take care of it, even though all trust has just been shattered. Well, not all, but. Yeah. So what do you. So I'm just saying that this is going to be difficult okay. for a wife to step back. It's not like it's going to be an easy thing. Like, okay, you know, it's your responsibility. I'm going to oh, go yeah. grocery shopping. Oh. Yeah. Fully agree. You just want to normalize it or did you have some advice there? No, I think just normalize it. Okay. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard, but it's something you need to do. Yeah. It's going to be easier to control it or to try and control it. Right. And to set the boundaries and to be the one pulling him out of situations or making sure he's not in a situation where he might turn to it. And it's going to be a I've lot harder. I've never seen that work well. No. But you're right. It is, it'd be hard not to do. Yeah. So let's go to this next question if it's okay, okay. babe. Yeah. What if your husband doesn't want to get help? What then? This does happen in enough cases. So Landau et al. outlined a three-step process for convincing addicted family members to enter a treatment uh, using something known as the Arise Intervention Model. And I'm going to give you the stats on how well this works, which will blow your mind. So this is maybe a little bit cranial because it's a very deliberate process, but it is amazingly effective. Cranial. Like in your head? Yeah. Like this is not really an emotional part of the podcast, I'm saying. Okay. So- this was originally developed and used to treat drug and alcohol addictions, but it's been adapted for cyber sex and porn addictions. So for this, what you want to do is to choose an interventionist. What is that? Well, there's actually an association of intervention specialists, and there's a link in our show notes for this episode at um, oaf.link slash 131. You can just scan down to this part of the text there and you'll see that link. This is all that they do. But you know, I do think a therapist with background in addictions and family work or a social worker or a church leader or even an emotionally mature man that is respected by your husband could likely fill this role. So I don't... Of interventionist. Of interventionist. So I'm, okay. Like I'm always conscious of this because we come from a very rural area and there's no way there's going to be an interventionist in our no. area, right? <laughs> yeah. So others can do this too, but you want to pray about this. You want to choose this person carefully. This person needs to be in support of you and in support of the addict and needs to be a friend of your marriage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you don't want this person to become your comforter and they're going to fill the wound that your husband has left. Like there's a risk there to you Yes. in that sense. But this person supports both of you, but is a friend of your relationship, like wants to make your marriage work. Yeah. They have to be motivated towards that. Okay. That's the, the ideal person. So it doesn't need to be a specialist. Lay people can take this up if I can use that term and they can figure out how to do this and make this happen. Okay. So what happens is there's three levels or three stages that you go through of confrontation with the addict who does not want recovery. Mm -hmm. So the first level is the wife or family member makes the first call to the interventionist. And this person then gives the wife motivational tips on how to convince the addicted husband to seek help. So again, if you go into a lay person, they're not already going to have this ammunition. So yeah. everybody's going to have to do a little bit of studying and reading up. Okay. It's take a little bit of time. Okay. But what this is going to result in is educating the addicted husband about the impact on you and on others that has come from his addiction. It's going to be encouraging him about the possibility of change and making him aware of how much he has changed as a result of his addiction. So you can see those things that you kind of... Change negatively. Yeah. Okay. 
So the interventionist and then the wife, they then develop what's called a support network, which is just a small group of family members or friends who can assist the addicted husband in seeing that he needs to come forward for treatment and support him once he is being treated. Actually, it occurs to me as I'm reading this that this is kind of like Matthew chapter 18, where if you have a problem with someone, you go and tell him his fault alone. Mm-hmm. And then if he doesn't hear you, you take two or three people with you. And then mm-hmm. it's kind of this building mm-hmm. case, right? What It's just sounding to me here like the wife is taking total control of... She's No, she is... She is giving him good reason to get into treatment. Okay. She's with not the actually support controlling of this group of people. No, point. once he's committed, he's got to go do his own thing. Okay. Okay. But she's doing this for her safety, sanity, for the family, for his benefit, you know, all those good reasons. Okay. I think this is, this. So that's how this is different. And then a first meeting is held with the interventionist, the wife, the support group, whether the addicted spouse is present or not. And at this point, you've identified like what you want the spouse to do, the, the husband, usually committing to work with like a certified sex addiction therapist or a therapist who's experienced in working with porn addiction recovery. And this is what you're calling him to do. You want him to go into treatment. Mm-hmm. Now, this first phase results in the addicted husband going into treatment in around 55% of cases. Hmm. So just over half the time after this happens, they'll go get help. Wow. Now, if that doesn't work, there's level two. So this is, you're going to have, as the wife, face-to-face meetings with the support group to develop motivational strategies. And I'll, I'll tell you what these are in a moment. And the support group and the wife then use these strategies to continue to encourage the husband towards treatment. So motivational strategies used to convince the addict include explaining like how the addiction is affecting the addict. So you're going into more detail there, how okay. the addiction is affecting the rest of the family and how the addiction can be successfully treated. Like it's like, we're all sitting down and talking to you now about what this is doing to everyone and yeah. yourself yeah. and how you can get help. And the family will also outline specific times when the husband's addiction has caused specific harm or destructive behavior. And this is done in, without or trying to avoid all blaming or hostile language. So okay. this is not a punitive attacking thing. Okay, yes. This is like, you need to know what's going on here. And I'm, I'm going to tell you calmly, like from, but passionately. How much it hurts. Yeah. How it's affected us. And the wife and the support group, they're encouraged to write down and rehearse specific sentences, such as statements of love and concern, specific examples of destructive behavior, pleas for the addict to get help and consequences of the addict not receiving treatment. So there's prep and work that goes into this. Yeah. Less than 2% of addicts fail to come forward for treatment at this stage. Oh. So 55% go into treatment after stage one. But if your husband doesn't, then it's hopeful to know that less than 2% need to go from here to level three. So by level two, 98%. Yep. Wow. Okay. Level three, family, friends, and support network set boundaries and limitations on the addicted husband. So you start enforcing all the things that you've been saying you would have to. Okay. In a loving and supportive way until he comes forward for treatment. This could include things like denying contact with the children, restricted use of finances. Like these are, this is level three. So these are serious consequences mm-hmm. of the 2% who haven't gone into treatment and end up on level three, 83% of that 2% who get to this stage will come forward for treatment. Wow. So, I mean, overall, that's less than 1% in the end. Yes. That don't. Yeah. I guess there's more to it, but I can't help but wonder if by the time you get to level three, there's other things going on as well, like abuse or something emotional abuse or something like that, which might make it really difficult to say, you know, I'm going to limit the financial, whatever. Well, maybe he already is doing that because of abusive nature. I mean, we're supposed to be offering hope, but here I am thinking up, you know, so I'll just, I'll just say that. 
this to that, Verlinda, which is if if that's part of what's your dynamic that you're facing mm-hmm. and you're listening today, mm-hmm. then not only do you need to educate yourself on the Arise model, but you need to educate yourself on, on what to do in an abusive situation. Okay. And ideally finding the help of a support, a therapist or someone who has experience that can help you integrate those two issues to one plan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's still hope there. Just you have to adapt to Your everything situation. that year. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. let's wrap up with taking care of yourself. We're at 30 minutes here. So this is a longer episode today, but uh, these are very important things that we're talking about. Taking care of yourself. Discovering this discovery is a huge blow. Yeah. It's not uncommon for a discovery like this to leave you in a state of shock and confusion similar to PTSD. And I think it'd probably be a good idea to check out our episode on PISD, which is post-infidelity stress disorder. Yeah. Just a few episodes back. Upon discovering their husband's porn addiction, wives often feel betrayal, rejection, abandonment, devastation, loneliness, humiliation, jealousy, and anger, as well as a loss of self-esteem. That's a quote from a study in 2007. Mm -hmm. In the end, and this is a review of marriages generally, 22% of the couples surveyed had divorced because of the addiction. 68% showed decreased interest in sex with their spouse. So this does have a big impact on marriage. Mm-hmm. And finding support then and a place to work through your own feelings is important. So often, like for, for wives, and I, I have to confess that when I first started working with pornography addicts, I didn't realize the necessity of helping the wife and supporting her as well. Okay. But often for her, separate from the treatment of the addicted husband, she needs help, support, mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. So I think in view of that, there's a few things that I want to encourage wives to do. One is be supportive despite the pain that it has caused you. Be supportive of what? Being a loving and compassionate spouse for your husband, not supportive of the addiction. Okay. Okay. Yep. And again, here's a quote. Admitting an addiction is not easy for the... This doesn't seem like the right word. For the user, like the addict? Yes. And loving and compassionate partners can encourage change and will help the user, the pornography user, that's what that means, find positive methods of working through the addiction. What do you think? Hard to do? For sure. So if you can be loving and compassionate and help them find help, is that basically what that's saying? Despite the pain it's caused you, rather than reach out and revenged, yeah. you can take care of yourself by helping them find Yeah, so help? here's, let me, let me try to, this is hard to do, and it, this is probably a hard pill to swallow if we just take it like that. So let me try to reframe this. Okay. Whatever your husband has done, mm-hmm. if you can act out of a place that's true to the caring, compassionate person that you are, like that's authentically you and mm-hmm. not out of the sort of hurt, vengeful person mm-hmm. that you want to be, you want to be, then you'll, I think that's a, an expression of self-care because you've done something, but I'm going to remain true to my core values and act out of those core values. Okay. Okay. Is that Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying this is going to be easy. And I'm having troubles to kind of visualize what that actually looks like. It's like the willingness... To not yell and scream and call names and... Yeah. But yeah, you've hurt me so badly. Yeah. Well, and again, keep this in mind that we're putting this on the back of you showing him how much this hurts. Right. Right. It doesn't mean you have to suck it up and just love him unconditionally. I no. mean, you do love him unconditionally, but you're not going to feel like doing it at the time. Right. Okay. Is that okay? I think so. Okay. And then secondly, talking about the issue, and this is, again, we understand the dilemma here, but talking about the issue with family members or trusted friends of the addict, Mm -hmm. even like make sure that that trusted friend of the addict is going to be an ally. To your marriage. An ally to you. An ally in in the support of his recovery. Okay. Not a companion. 
to fill the gap. Not a companion for you. Like it would be really easy to turn to your husband's friend. And have that become an affair partner. Yeah. That's what we're trying to say. It's like, just beware of that. But at the same time, calling in a support network that will support you, back you up, and then challenge him and support him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these are, it's a very special kind of friend that we're looking for, not always available. And again, because the research is showing that developing a support group can help the addicted husband through recovery. Mm-hmm. So if you can find someone to talk to, that's good. And it's really helpful if you can find someone who's been through and recovered their marriage, like they've already right. gone here. Yeah. And by the way, if, if you're listening today and this has been in your past, but you've never talked about this in your church, you may want to start. That's hard to do. I find it hard to do. Like I've only just started after several years since this all went down. Yeah. But it, it starts to let people know, one, that other people have gone through this, and two, that there are people that they can come to when they need help. Mm-hmm. And, and there is hope. To. And there is hope. Yeah. Yeah. So again, though, this, if whoever you go to here needs to be a person who's a friend of your marriage in that sense. And then the other thing I, I always caution around is, is kind of that sometimes there's that group of girlfriends that you might have who will join in and complain and criticize husbands because that's just what they all do to, when they're together. That's going to be corrosive for what you're trying to do in recovery here. Yes. Yes. So just be cautious about that. And then finally, don't take responsibility for the addiction. So Again, some partners of sex or porn addicts feel their own deficiency is responsible for their husband's addiction. And then they can go to extreme lengths to try and satisfy their husband sexually so they won't need porn anymore. Mm-hmm. Perhaps trying to look like or act more like the women in, their, in the porn that their husbands are viewing. So, But to recover, wives need to understand this will not work. The addiction was never about making up for something that you were not providing. And it's not even really about sexual preferences. It's an addiction. It's a need to satisfy an urge with ever more extreme behavior. (laughs) And so in addition to rebuilding sexual self-confidence, believing that you are enough means understanding that sex addiction is not and never was about sex. This is a quote here. (laughs) The behaviors satisfy the cravings of dopamine in the brain, not needs in the genitals or indeed desires of the heart. Wow. So true. And then finally, I'll just mention too, it's not uncommon to find yourself in a dilemma about whether to engage in sexual intimacy Mm-hmm. or not and the timing around that and again this could be an episode on its own but sometimes you just don't want to have sex because you're disgusted or angry other times you worry that not having sex will hinder recovery but ultimately whether you want to keep having sex or not in this at this point in time is your decision some spouses will obtain for a period in order to work out their own feelings obtain abstain sorry others do not have a problem with continued sex so i've seen this go both ways Mm-hmm. I don't have a hard opinion on this. Some people like will do the 90 day thing and part of that's for his benefit. And like, and he's like, yeah, I, if she's game, I want to do this. I want to know mm-hmm. that I can live without sex. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, they have some, sometimes they have a celebration that's more formal, even if this is really kind of blowing the marriage apart. Okay. And then they kind of go on another honeymoon. Other times it's just something that's very private between the two of them. Hmm. Another quote here, coping with sexual frustration and urges will be a challenge for some sex addicts, but this is a challenge that is theirs to face alone and partners should in no way feel obligated to help them avoid addressing this part of their recovery. So again, you don't have to take responsibility for managing his recovery. Right. Okay. And I've seen couples where extending sexual intimacy by the wife is an act of forgiveness and it's a profound moment for them both. In other situations, like I said, I've seen them agree to a period of abstinence. So... There is really no, don't get all wound up about whether you're going to break or mess up his recovery or not, I think is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Okay. Anything else, babe, to wrap up or final comments before we close? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. 
So we'd like to thank those of you who become patrons between this recording and our previous one, Christina and Quest. Thank you for joining us in our mission to reach and save as many marriages as possible. And we're even doing that with tough personal topics like what we've been addressing today. Mm -hmm. We have some reviews, reviews. We do. One says, top-notch marriage podcast, five stars by Ram Shackle of Fresno. OIF is a thoughtful podcast with a wide variety of topics delivered with grace, maturity, dignity, and charm. I'm not interested in every episode, but that's okay. I realize CNV are speaking to the issues, and if you're in that situation, then listen to get advice and hear a different perspective. I recommend that believers sprinkle in other marriage podcasts. I've yet to find the comprehensive podcast on marriage. And then this listener goes on to recommend recommend a few other podcasts, but we haven't checked them out. So not all of them. I've listened to some of them. Okay. So he said, or he, she, I think it's he try the love and respect podcast, one extraordinary marriage show and delight your marriage with Bella Rose. Each of these has strengths that will benefit married Christians. May God bless each listener with faith in Christ. Peace. Thanks. That's nice. And then another one from a UNC fan for life says, great Christian marriage podcast. Thank you for your ministry. You've hit on a few things that I've struggled with. Glad I ran across you on here. May continue to bless your ministry. That's cool. If uh, if UNC is the University of North Carolina, we are in your home territory. (laughs) Yeah, we are right now. We're recording this near Denver, North Carolina today. Yippers. So next week, we're going to talk about why every couple needs to pray together. Okay. And again, we're going to be talking about that, not only from the research, but also out of our own journey there too, because that's been an interesting one for us. Yeah, it sure has. So that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 131. To find out how you can help, go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Belinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.